Welcome to Peapod, the patient experience and access podcast brought to you by Kairos. I'm your host, Kent Siri, Director of Marketing here at Kairos. So we made it. We made it to our second episode. want to thank Mike Ruiz from MedStar Health for allowing us to, to chat with him for our first episode. Reactions for that first episode have been great. A couple of programming notes. You can download the podcast on iTunes. Just search Peapod and make sure to subscribe to that as well. This week, I'm, I'm really excited because we chatted with John Engelhart. John is the chief marketing officer at Hospital for Special Surgery uh, in New York, where he's been CMO since 2014. John has a really, really interesting background. Another kind of like Mike Ruiz, who came into healthcare, um, having spent the majority of his career outside of the healthcare environment. John is very much like a, an original madman. He comes from a rich career in marketing at one of the big marketing firms, Ogilvy & Mather, where he spent the first 20 years of his career garnering a lot of experience both domestically and internationally working for countless brands across financial services, automotive, professional services, consumer. John has been partnered with Kairos for some time now. Kairos and Hospital for Special Surgery actually went live with a provider match deployment about a month and a half ago. But John has really been in our radar uh, since far before then, helping us to navigate their hospital, their very, very impressive hospital, which was, as a side note, just ranked number one in orthopedics and number two in rheumatology in, in US News and World Report hospital rankings. But he's been helping us for you know more than a year now, uh, really helped to implement and navigate at that organization. You're gonna find him really, really interesting. He's got some really great stories to tell about his career and about his approach to marketing at Hospital for Special Surgery. So without further ado, here's my conversation with John Engelhart. Well, thank you so much, uh, John, for, uh, for joining us on our second episode of the Patient Experience and Access podcast. Thank you for having me, Kent. I thought the first episode was terrific. Well, thank you. Uh, thank, thanks so much. Um, I want to start actually the, the conversation uh, outside of healthcare. You you had mentioned something in a uh, uh, a blog post that you had written uh, for Kairos last year in the lead up to uh, our thought leadership conference uh, that your first marketing experience and, and I do want to go deep into your your career as a marketer, but your first marketing experience came uh, at the precocious age of eleven when you were tasked to be a volunteer door to door canvasser for President Nixon's re-election campaign in Massachusetts. Um, so fascinated, obviously, given uh, the timing and where we are right now in the middle of an election cycle, uh, how that went and exactly how many doors did, uh, did a young John Engelhart get slammed in his face? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, looking back on it, I think probably not enough doors got slammed in my face. But, you know, it, was, it really was an interesting experience, and I don't... Um, recall exactly, but I believe I encountered it uh, by seeing an ad in the local newspaper. This is in a small town in Western Massachusetts called Longmeadow, just outside Springfield. And the ad was appealing for volunteers to help reelect the president. And at the age of 11, uh, coming from a conservative household, I thought, you know, that must be the right, good, and noble <laughs> thing to do to get involved in reelecting the president because he must be a good guy. And so I, I responded to the ad and they sent me a kit. 
in the mail, which was, you know, the guide to what they needed you to do and how to go about doing it and prompts and so on. And it did involve canvassing door to door and talking to people about issues and getting a sense of their voting intentions and, but really, you know, promoting the candidate. And it was just one door, um, but I remember it so clearly, and it was probably my 50th door. And the, the gentleman uh, was, was agitated from the get-go, and I think he was offended that I would uh, have the audacity to be doing what I was doing. And he was talking to me about something I'm ashamed to say now, I had no idea about. You know, he was talking about this Watergate thing. And I thought, well, <laughs> gosh, th this, is, this is nowhere in my brochure does it say anything about Watergate. Um, but it was, it was an important experience. And I think the, the experience of, of going door to door, interacting directly with people, um, at the time I was not thinking of it as marketing. I don't mm. think I had ever even heard the term marketing, but interacting with people, especially on the doorstep of their home and talking about something that is uh, to many of them really meaningful. And that engagement, see the, the way that people were were responding actively or, or passively. And this particular guy was, was, was a, um, was 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 a powerful experience, and among other things, uh, it was an early lesson in thinking critically about how one applies one's time and talents in agency to others, mm. and that really is what marketing is about. So it was it was a traumatic experience, <laughs> but it but it was a really good experience, and it yeah. was um, uh, I think. Um, uh, shook me um, in some positive ways, but also heightened my curiosity about this thing that I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and curious, was that, I mean, were you bitten by the bug uh, at that point, um, you know, in terms of marketing and, and uh, communicating brands and, and messages? Was, was that sort of your first taste and did that fuel uh, your later career or were the two sort of independent? They they were related, but they were separate. And I think yeah. what that did is that um, uh, that heightened an interest that I have in how societies work. Right. And I did I did go on and and, and studied political science in um, in university and had aspirations to go into law and public service and so on. Um, and and I think that is where that started, where things kind of spun off. Um, some would say um, rapidly downhill, others would say uphill, um, into marketing happened later when I was uh, when I was in high school, actually. Mm. And probably great preparation for, uh, you know, where marketing is today, what with hashtags and Snapchats, I'm sure they gave you a lot of that preparation in the Nixon campaign. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think they... Uh... That, that was uh, light years, light years ago. It's really, truly the Stone Age. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would love for you to spend a little bit of time. Obviously, we, we read a little bit of your, your bio um, uh, earlier in the podcast, but uh, would love for you to spend a little bit of time you know, talking about your career and how you found yourself uh, at Hospital for Special Surgery. I know this is your first foray uh, into healthcare, uh, specifically on the provider side, and I believe you're almost two years in. Uh, now at, uh, at HSS, maybe coming this November, uh, um, I believe will we'll mark your two-year anniversary. So curious as to how you transitioned into healthcare from your career in marketing and, and how things are going. Well, my marketing career has been so far highly 
unusual in a number of different ways. And, and uh, that has culminated in my arrival at HSS. Um, and given that chief marketing officers these days, I think, have a life expectancy of two years, um, uh, perhaps I'll be coming to you for a co-hosting job soon. <laughs> my first real step in marketing was in high school, and it was through a summer job where I was working with a, an amusement park. And I was running the roller coaster at what was then called Riverside Amusement Park. It's now Six Flags New England. And it was the Thunderbolt roller coaster, by the way. Very <laughs> spectacular roller coaster. And um, I was offered a job in the front office working in the marketing group. And in that, really what I wound up doing was more public relations work than marketing. I didn't know that at the time. And uh, just after university, um, through that um, um, the, the people at Riverside Park, they introduced me to somebody that they knew at a very large agency in New York. I, they knew I wanted to go to New York. And so they introduced me to their friend at um, a large marketing services company called Ogilvy and Mather. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman asked what I wanted to do. And I said public relations, which I think was, was surprising to him because they was a relatively small part of what they did. But that's, that's how, my, how and where my career started. And I think it is, um, I was introduced to marketing through the lens of public relations, but through the lens of public relations in a relative, relatively sophisticated um, uh, practice of it, um, I got lucky with, with some first clients that were doing uh, big, important things that were really more about shaping opinion on substantial issues than simply generating awareness. Mm -hmm. And and that then um, led to an opportunity for me to go overseas with Ogilvy, um, which at the time was also uh, that, that I chose to do that was unusual because New York, I was in New York and New York was the place where everybody was trying to get if you were in marketing. And so the, the point of entry through public relations, then the, the deviation from the New York uh, path took me on what has been the most important formative experience of my marketing career. And what that was, is it was experiencing, I lived and worked in four different countries, Hong Kong, Thailand, Singapore, and the UK. And uh, obviously, professionally, it was great because at a relatively young age, I was exposed to arguably too early to real responsibility, working with large, complex brands and marketers doing important things out in the, the, the frontier land, which is how I got able to participate in meaningful ways at a young age, but also on a personal level the experience of going to and calibrating to new and different cultures and environments was a very important experience, you know, because it, it brings to the surface, it makes you conscious of the process of deciding how to do stuff, what's important and how do you do stuff. And, and having done that for sequential times, it really, it, it, it corresponds to how consumers think on things. And I think the psychology of that and how, how people learn about things, uh, the role of conscious and unconscious reflex responses to products, to behaviors, and so on, that, that coupled with what I was doing in my day job uh, collectively uh, gave me 
very unusual experience and heightened appreciation for the psychology and the responsibility of marketing. Mm -hmm. And over the course of that time, I had a wonderfully generous mentor and employer in Ogilvy and Mather, and specifically a, a gentleman named Harry Reed. And uh, Ogilvy fulfilled my aspiration to get experience across the marketing spectrum. So at a time when it, it was just the done thing to specialize in a particular area, I actually unspecialized. And I worked across the spectrum, moved from public relations to advertising to integrated communications. And over the course of my time as an expatriate, uh, did a combination of things, including running offices and regions, uh, geographic regions, as well as running large multinational accounts across different cultures and countries. And so that whole experience was, um, in terms of, again, the entry through public relations, the uh, international experience, and the interdisciplinary experience, makes me a very odd duck as a marketer. Uh, very unconventional, but I think all of those experiences, uh, like with most things, there is a there's a price, but there's also a benefit to it. And I feel tremendously blessed to have uh, been through those different experiences, and they have made me a very different professional, a very different person, and a very different practitioner of marketing than hmm. is the norm. And, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, kind of doing different residencies uh, across the spectrum of, of marketing from PR to, to advertising strategy, so on and so forth, particularly interested in, in advertising and, and how advertising to consumers in other verticals like financial services or um, consumer products uh, differs from what you're doing now at Hospital for Special Surgery. Um, the psychology, I think, of a healthcare consumer is quite different. Even that same consumer when they're considering other goods or services versus healthcare. And the healthcare, and correct me if I'm wrong, marketing in healthcare, you know, is finally starting to mature from the, you know, an environment in which you would put up a billboard to say, hey, we now have the Cyberknife come to you know, uh, Mercy Hospital, where people don't really understand what what is a cyber knife, uh, to now more integrated marketing, uh, much more consumer engagement. So how, how do you think about, uh, from your perspective and, and such a broad perspective across uh, geographies and industries, um, bringing some of that into to healthcare and, and helping them evolve their own marketing practices and, and consumer engagement practices? Well, I think the the experience across categories has been um, very helpful, exposes you to a cross-section of things that people do really well and, and variabilities across different categories. And I think among the variables across categories are things like involvement of the consumer in decision-making. I mean, there's some decisions that people that are part of our everyday lives, but consumers don't feel primarily responsible for it. One of the changes, of course, in healthcare is that it has become um, a primary responsibility of consumers to make their own decisions about that, or just at least self-advocate. And that's been a, a tremendous shift. And, and secondly, the, uh, the implications 
of, of the choice. There are very low implications to a choice that has to do with a condiment. There are very high implications for choices that people make that relate to um, uh, long-term financial consequences or long-term healthcare consequences. And so also having the opportunity to observe how people make different decisions mm -hmm. about different levels of consequence in products has been very helpful. In some categories, you, you noted financial services being one. Absolutely. There are, those are very consequential decisions that are uh, more closely analogous to healthcare decisions. And there's a lot that we can learn because the financial services category, for one, has been uh, doing this a lot longer, has been marketing to consumers for a lot longer than the healthcare industry is. And so it's like with anything, you say, okay, who's been doing this more than we have mm -hmm. relevant to what we're doing? And what can we learn from them, not to just, you know, directly import as a practice, but to adapt and improve and uh, develop a, a new best practice? Mm -hmm. Do you think customers, uh, or sorry, consumers trust themselves um, when making healthcare uh, decisions? No. And I think um, confidence is, I, I think the consumers have a relatively low level of confidence in not only healthcare decisions, but also in, again, other consequential decisions, including financial services. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a scary thing for consumers and it lives close to the surface. And it's something that we don't really like to go to. And so I think consumers are finding confidence in different ways. And there certainly are some consumers that find confidence through an academic approach. They do lots of uh, research and they come up with reasons and a very sound and robust rational argument for doing certain things. Mm -hmm. There's also consumers who are more reliant on less rational and emotional reasons mm -hmm. for making a decision. And, and they are uh, seeing, uh, for example, in many cases, the experience of others to whom they relate as being a proxy for their own decision-making. Right. So that's where, you know, we're hearing a lot about word of mouth and peer-to-peer -peer influence. Um, and that is a convenient and very popular and very effective way of people making decisions. Um, so it's a combination for most consumers, I think, of uh, rational and emotional reasoning that helps them to find confidence. And, and the emotional uh, is a practical shortcut at a time when a lot of people simply don't have the time to do the research and um, and educate themselves and so that the the proxy role of peers is very important in finding confidence and i think that's a great segue actually into you know what i one of the things that i want to talk about today which is the the back in the game initiative uh, at hospital for special surgery and how essentially what you're doing there um, with that initiative is providing patients better access to experience, right? Um, and experience across people that look like them, right? It's not just a matter today, uh, as I think hospitals try and capture um, more traffic, frankly, and, and more eyeballs on their site. It's not just a matter of providing them content that says, this is what carpal tunnel syndrome is. This is what bursitis in your shoulder is. Patients want to know that there are patients out, other patients out there that look like them, that had the same problems, that were experiencing the same symptoms and pains, and saw success 
and this is how they did it. And so would love to ask you a little bit about that initiative um, and, and how that's playing out uh, um, at, at Hospital for Special Surgery. Yeah, it is, I mean, our uh, responsibility in any healthcare marketing is to, to help consumers to find, trust, and choose our provider. Mm-hmm. And that process is different for different situations and different types of consumers. And it's one thing if it is an emergency care situation. It's another thing if it is a more thoughtful elective procedure like, like um, obviously, musculoskeletal care, which is, is what HSS provides. To that point of, of the experience of others, it is very important for people, I think, across the board, in so many categories, and we're seeing it right now in the, the political spectrum, it's in the commercial spectrum, it's also in other institutions, arguably it's in religion and so on. There is a, a diminution of consumer trust in institutions. And that's happening because consumers feel betrayed by their institutions. And so increasingly what they're doing is they are trusting the institutions less, and they are um, uh, independently uh, seeking views that they feel that they can trust more, where there's no agenda to it. And certainly the experience and perspective of relatable others, and those relatable others can be family, they can be friends, or as you say, Kent, there are other people that I think are like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like me can mean that they've had the same problem that, that I've had or that they have the same um, uh, aspiration that I have or they have the same concerns or behaviors that I have. And so what we um, have done with this uh, particular initiative is we've recognized a couple things. We've recognized that uh, patients of HSS have an unusually intense positive experience, A. And that's measurably so. That's objectively true. And secondly, that part of that experience is, for many of them, an appetite to share that experience with others. And that gets into the whole relationship that we're observing that our patients and consumers have with HSS, which is is really... Um, um, more like a club. I mean, people feel that they're part of a club and they're very proud of that club. They're very proud of having discovered HSS. They're very proud of what they have achieved together with HSS. It's not that HSS did something for them. It's that they did something remarkable together with HSS. And part of their recovery process for many patients is to share that story. If I share that story, I don't mean give a, a trite homage to the hospital or to a particular physician. Oh, I think um, uh, Dr. Kensiri is great, uh, or I think HSS is great, but rather to put their experience, their care experience into a very personal context of what it means to them. Not what I got, but this is what it means to me. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we recognized an appetite for that storytelling among our patients which aligned very neatly with the appetite of consumers, future patients or potential future patients, to learn from the experience of others. And so what we did with this forum is created what's really a marketplace for storytelling and story finding. And what it does is it enables patients to share their story 
um, what, what, ha- what they experience and what it means to them in their own words, their own photographs and their own videos and whatever else they want to share. And to do that in a way that is um, also a service to other consumers that are looking for points of reference. And so this forum, which has really exploded um, in a very positive way, it now has you know, more than 1,360 stories on it, making it the largest of its kind in the world, we believe, by a factor of, of well over 10, um, is also highly searchable. So it's, it's, it's really for uh, by patients for potential patients. And potential patients can go in, they can search by types of procedure, they can search by, certainly by name, by name of physician, by name of patient, by the patient's hometown. If I'm from Sydney, Australia, and I'm considering this type of care and maybe HSS, I can look up and say, oh, lo and behold, there's somebody else from Sydney, Australia who's been there. And, and I can see so from somebody who's, who's like me in that way, I can learn from their experience in their own words. And some of these stories are very long. Some of them are, are, are brief, a couple hundred words, but some of them are thousands of words. <laughs> and, and, and what we've started to do more recently is to uh, cluster them and make them searchable by shared affinities. And now I think there's 26 different shared affinities. So I could go there and I can say, well, you know, I'm, it's, it's interesting to see that somebody else from Sydney's there, but I'm really into snowboarding. Hmm. And so let me search it by snowboarding or let me search it by grandparenting. And so just making it easier for patients to, to hear from others that they relate to as a way of, to your earlier point, Kent, finding and, and building and achieving the level of confidence that they need um, um, individually to make the decision that they feel is best for them. And that decision may or may not be to come to HSS, mm-hmm. but what we want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible for them to make that decision with confidence. That's great. Um, as I think both of us and, and anybody listening to this podcast understands is to focus on consumer access through the consumer facing channel, like the back in the game uh, initiative is, is one thing and providing that validation there is, is certainly one thing, but we know that patients can access the system in many different ways, right? And, you know, one of those primary ways is through other physicians referring into uh, an organization like HSS. Um, and part of your roadmap, as I understand it at, at HSS for access in general, focuses pretty heavily on the physician referral service uh, um, as well. So can you talk about why the focus there in addition to the focus on, on the consumer facing aspects? Well, that's a great point. And yes, uh, physician referral service at HSS is very important. One of our priorities for that is more appropriately naming that service. (laughs) Actually, the P in physician referral service would be more appropriately patient referral service. And so we we do the physician referral service PRS at, at HSS is is entirely consumer facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, I mean, the, the the referral of and confidence of physicians, independent physicians, is massively important to us. So we we try to serve all of those constituencies in ways that are highly relevant to those constituencies. And so uh, serving the professional community, we do in other ways, including, for example by providing continuing medical education. We 
are the largest producer of orthopedic-related professional education content in the world by a very wide margin. We, we publish more than Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Johns Hopkins, Mass General, um, and NYU Langone combined. Oh. So those are things, and we, we deliver that through a platform for professionals called um, HSSE Academy. So that's what we're, I mean, that's among many things that we're doing to serve um, and earn the trust and confidence of the professional community. But with, with physician referrals, service, which actually, Kent, as of this call, we're going to rename it patient referral service. Fantastic. You heard um, it here first. Um, is, there you go. Exactly. Is really a service where we help. It's, it's basically a concierge service okay. for, for patients, any, any patient who contacts HSS, um, whether it is by phone or by email. And soon we're going to be introducing other ways that patients can, can connect us uh, more of the time, more conveniently from more places. But that's really about uh, having highly skilled representatives who personally assist them in navigating decisions that they need to make mm -hmm. and coming up with them, coming up for them, with them and for them, a personalized uh, recommendation for the, the right physician or the right caregiver that is tailored to their personal needs. And those, those needs can extend way beyond care. It can also extend to location. It can extend to language preferences. There's lots of different things. So it's, it's really a, a platform for, for personalizing and a very intimate platform for personalizing and making connections to the right caregiver for you, Kent Siri, for example. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, and how are you actually, so there's a, there's a personalization of it, but what you're doing on the, on the digital side with back in the game is you're creating a validating, uh, trust building experience there. How are you making sure that you're able to do that also through the, the patient referral uh, services? Well, what, um, what's allowing you to provide that trust building uh, experience beyond just the one-to-one -one or, or the concierge uh, uh, service? Well, I think that um, um, that experience that we provide is um, when, when the first time a consumer picks up the phone or sends an email and reaches out and contacts HSS and says, look, I, I have a question or I'd like your help. Um, on my path to finding care. That's a massively important uh, moment of truth for the brand. And I think of it in a way as being analogous to a job application. You know, the website, whether it's other parts of the website or the back in the game site, that's the resume. Mm -hmm. And so somebody looks at the resume and says, huh, you know what, I think this person could be a good fit. But that contact with the patient referral service is the interview. And so it's a very tangible experience that is a key, if not first impression, second impression. And just as the interview is important in the job search process, validating expectations, validating and hopefully further elevating expectations through that patient referral service interaction on the phone or by email is massively important. And, and I'm very proud um, that we're uh, right now making a huge leap, and I do believe it is a huge leap, strategic leap forward with the help of Kairos. We implemented Kairos about six weeks ago, and it is uh, strategically for HSS. It is affecting that shift from physician referral service to patient referral service. And it is enabling us to deliver a better experience 
and a more efficient process for consumers and, and helps HSS to optimize the resources that we have. And we're, we're in the fortunate position of having enormous demand for our resources. And so as a service to consumers and as a service to the hospital, it's critical that we optimize that by doing everything that we can to match each patient to the right caregiver the first time. Mm-hmm. And Kairos is a facility that is, I, I cannot overstate the, the difference that it made out of the gate for us and the positive feedback that we're getting across the board from patients through to physicians and physician offices um, and the, the go live experience, there was, there was not even the tiniest of bumps. So we transitioned and uh, the week that we went live with it, we actually increased efficiency to a new all-time high, the, the, the go live week. So there was zero transition. And so I think that is, is a really important point. And it's something that has taken time for some people in the hospital to uh, see the, the strategic value of it. But as that has been rendered visible through this experience, all of a sudden everybody is really, oh my goodness, this is a really important thing that we're doing. It's a very valuable thing that we're doing for consumers and for the institutions. And in an environment where we're doing lots of a big transformational change at HSS uh, with a real sense of urgency, uh, this initiative is has risen to a high level of importance and impact in, even in that environment. So we're very, very proud and pleased with that. Great. Um, you know, just as, as, as important as building the validation on the front end uh, of the access experience, so providing validation and, and trust that the patient has selected the right provider, just as important as that is, uh, you, you've talked about validation on the back end in the booking process. Um, what do you mean by you know, the, the validation in, in the booking process and what historically has not been validating there that, that you're now able to solve for? Well, the, to use that, that term booking process in healthcare is, is complicated. I mean, there are lots of different things and especially in, I mean, people come to HSS because we're, we're very specialized. I mean, we, um, uh, we have more subspecializations within specializations than a lot of places have specialties. And that compounds the complexity. It, it compounds the value exponentially, but it also uh, makes it complex. And you add, you overlay on that considerations of insurance, of timing preferences, of geographic preferences. And there's a lot of complexity to be na- navigated and doing that in a way that inspires confidence as opposed to overwhelms the consumer is very important. And so what, what Kairos is, is enabling us to do is uh, deliver that with a, a smooth uh, experience that is easy and, and really aligns with the consumer experience. So what Kairos is enabling us to do is bring kind of in the hierarchy of decision-making simplifying choice and simpli- simplifying the, the, the decision tree. Mm. And the way that we administer 
healthcare chirist currently is by uh, skilled representatives that are HSS employees that work in our physician, our patient referral service. And the speed and accuracy with which they're able to access and bring to the fore the most relevant information it really is as simple as that. And something that has uh, I'm seeing now in practice is, is um, what I, I like to boast that, that Kairos is, is, uh, is a product of some of the same people that were involved in creating Kayak, mm-hmm. um, the, the travel booking site, which, which everybody's familiar with. And when you think about that compared with um, um, not only other sites, but also I think for, uh, for HSS, the leap has been going from um, a 19 is it like going from a 1970s travel agent mm-hmm. with a desk covered with with books and directories and drawers filled with 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 files and paperwork to all of a sudden something is that is as simple and intuitive and elegant and powerful as the Kairos platform and uh, we it's which is not to say that we haven't previously worked with sophisticated firms, but Kairos is that different in our experience, is that different from other of the, what are considered to be some of the best firms in the space. So it really is a, a seismic difference and it makes for a better, simpler, easier, and ultimately more confidence inspiring experience for the consumer. Well, I can say for certain that if for some unknown reason you're your time as CMO of HSS does end at the two-year mark. Uh, you can have my job here at Kairos. I'm not sure that that I'm able to say it better myself. Um, so thank you for those kind words. With that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. John, want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I know it's a beautiful day up in Vermont, so I want to let you get out there and uh, and enjoy your time there. But thanks again, and we're very excited about the deployment at the hospital for special surgery and, and really building that relationship with you and, and with the organization. Terrific. Well, thank you very much. And I hope you have a great, uh, great day and great weekend. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Kent. Well, thanks again to John Engelhart for agreeing to take some time with us on vacation, no less to be part of our second episode of the patient experience and access podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. You can search for us on iTunes, just search Peapod and hit the subscribe button. And we'll be back in a few short weeks with, uh, with more interviews and more insight into patient experience and access. Peapod is produced by Kelsey Montgomery and I'm Kent Siri, director of marketing at Kairos. Thanks for listening to Peapod. Bye.